apparently today is the MLS League One Fun Derby. So Ira Jersey, take it away. Welcome to League One Fun. Please rate and review us on your favorite podcast app. And we're sponsored by Roughneck Scarves and Icarus FC. I'm Ira Jersey. And that voice you heard to start us off was Jason. And like Jason said, as we record, the New York Red Bulls are playing down at the Philadelphia Union at Subaru Park, I guess it's called now. It, for like, what, it, it changes its name every other year. So. Every, everyone talks about, you know, Harrison not being in New York because it's Har- the Red Bulls playing Harrison, New Jersey. But, don't, you know, don't, do like Chester. don't do Chester like that. Don't do Chester like that. I'm just saying it's not in Philadelphia. That's Listen, all that I'm saying. Tasty Cake Stadium in Chester, Pennsylvania is one of the nicest stadiums in the U.S., all right? I'm going to say it right now. <laughs> nice. Well, anyway, good good luck. Don't tell us the score because I intend I on watching the match uh, after we finish recording pod luckily with us today we have a former tormenta 2 player who played for the tormenta first team and is now an attacker with fc tucson it's charlie dennis charlie thanks for coming on league one fun of course of course Glad see, we here. saw we saw we said darby charlie that was that was specifically for you uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> So why don't we start, Jason? Uh, why don't we start with you and uh, Charlie? We'll just have a little fun discussion and, and get to know how your season's going and what the what the weather's like in Arizona compared to uh, back in uh, Statesboro, Georgia. Yeah, let, let, let's talk about it. Let's let's start there. What's the uh, what's the biggest difference between uh, being out there in Tucson and playing in the South? Oh, the the humidity is just compared to the East Coast. The humidity here is so much nicer playing. It really is. It's not quite that wet, that wetness in the air. So you sort of can last a bit longer, you know. You don't just sweat from breathing outside. No, yeah, a little too heavy. It's, just, it's wet through. I remember, especially down in Florida and South Georgia, the humidity is crazy, crazy. And then let's talk about your journey getting to Georgia, right? Because obviously, from the accent, it's it's not a Georgia accent. So talk no. a little bit about how you ended up in the states. So when I was 18, I was playing men's league football in England and I just finished college. I wasn't quite sure what, where I wanted to p- pursue my football, but obviously the opportunity to get an education while playing football and, and move to another country was uh, caught my eye. And then um, I sort of went for a couple of showcases and then agreed to come out here on a scholarship. So, uh, yeah, done four years of college and then um, I'm now on my third year being professional. So I'm loving it out here. Yeah. So talk a little bit about uh, the, the coaching style. So, you, you know, you, you came up, you played in um, in the PDL, now USL League mm-hmm. 2 for uh, Tormenta 2, um, and then you played for the first team. What was the transition like or what were the biggest things that you noticed playing in the, the college and, and USL 2 um, leagues compared to the professional game? So uh, college for me, there was uh, often teams sort of like, You'd get three or four good teams, but at the back end of the conference, they'd be struggling in some areas. So overall, the difference is like the whole strength throughout the whole squad, you know, um, just physicality, speed of play, um, decision making is a lot better. So uh, the lack of turnovers obviously makes it important when you when you get the ball not to give it away. So uh, that's sort of some of the main points between college and professional for me. So and for you, pers- for you personally, you were playing in, you know, Tormenta system from two to professional. And so, you know, mm-hmm. and that two team pretty much became the professional team. Right. And, you know, yeah, exactly. you guys had the, the undefeated, season, undefeated season going into it. So what's been the biggest 
you know, difference between, did you have to unlearn a system because it was so familiar with you and then kind of learn a new one? Or was it just like, was it an easy transition for you? Um, I guess for me, transition wise, it was easy because I had the same coach, uh, um, Tormentor two in the PDL. He, he um, went on to be the first team coach at um, Tormentor. So uh, lucky for me, that transition from PDL into a new team, into like a professional environment was was nice for me because I knew a lot of the boys from uh, being out in America and stuff like that. So getting to go somewhere with my friends as well as teammates was 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 great, especially being my first year. And so talk a little bit about the difference in the kind of style and tactics between you know South Georgia Tormenta, where you know you guys I think had a, a good team last season, but uh, you know there were a lot of injuries and it was just hard mm-hmm. to keep the squad together um, and and in kind of intact for a run of games to be able to um, you know make it into the playoffs. But you guys came pretty close in the end, um, and you know now being out in uh, with FC Tucson, you know it's a two team for uh, Phoenix Rising. What's it like to be in that uh, environment, and you know what? What's the significant changes that you're being asked to do on the field? Uh, yeah, loving the environment here. So uh, obviously coming here, it was uh, sort of a rebuilding year for Tucson this year. So there was a lot of new faces getting signed here and there. We didn't quite know how it's going to be, but obviously head coach John Gallus, he's done a great job in getting all the boys together and uh, training here at these facilities is. Is a joy every day, really. Yeah, we you, in the beginning of the year there was a lot of you know substitutions going on. You have players who are starting now who were subbing in the second half. You know the formation changes, and so now it seems like you guys have gotten into a groove. It seems like everyone's kind of where they are supposed to be and where they're playing their best at. And even you, especially right in the beginning of the year, you were kind of up further and now you're back in the midfield, being able to kind of dictate the tempo and create chances. So has that been something that you as a team has got, you know, received confidence about? Like, do you feel like, okay, we're, we're in our groove now. This is where, this is where we need to be. Yeah. I think at the start in, in, times like we're in today where everything's getting so closely monitored due to COVID um, it it took us a little while to get started especially having so many away games stuff like that we picked up a couple injuries so sort of team rotation was important but now after after the Orlando performance we're, we're a very confident team So specifically, like, like, what are you asked to do on the field in the attack? Because, it, you know, it seems like you're a little bit more central this year, maybe. And last year you were a little bit more on, um, you know, drifted out wide a little bit. Is there, um, you know, how how are you guys at in Tucson looking to attack? And, you know, not to give too much away, obviously, but, yeah. um, <laughs> you know, but 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 you personally, I, I, I think you, you, you're much the – You've always been a bit of a facilitator, but that seems to be more of a primary role this year um, than maybe it was last year where you were looking to take more shots last year. And this year you're mm-hmm. um, kind of more at the top of the box instead of in the box. Yeah, definitely. I think um, when it when it comes to us and, and going forward as a team, we don't, that's probably one of the areas we don't work on on the, on the most just because our coach trusts us that, that we're technical enough, can create enough chances, be dynamic enough. And uh, obviously, after a couple of games in, we we found four goals against Orlando, which, which felt good for all the attacking players, you know, because everyone was involved in it. It was definitely a, a team performance because there was assists coming from Shaq. Um, 
Azad, myself, Roberto got on the goal sheet, you know, so it was it was a complete performance from all the attacking players. I have a little bit of a follow-up to that. How fast is Shaq Adams compared to everyone else in the team? I mean, does he just burn everyone when you guys do 40-yard sprints or something? I mean, <laughs> Yeah, he's a, he's a quick lad. You sort of, if you're going to defend him, you have to take a couple steps back, you know, one of those ones, yeah. Do you think that it's it's kind of helpful playing with a, a team that where you have a bunch of new players and everyone's kind of trying to discover their role in the team and the tactics together as opposed to going to a team that might have already had a system, already had players that knew their roles, and then you just have to feel like, all right, well, this is what I have to do now. I kind of have to fit into this position. Yeah, obviously, I'm I'm pretty sure everyone on the team would have felt like that just because there was so many new faces this year. And obviously, when when we're just about to get the start, we had we had a shorter preseason compared to everyone else. So, sort of finding the right personnel in the right positions was obviously going to be a, a problem, but has been solved very well by by the players and the staff. So. Yeah, and I feel like that it helps that you guys went through that together, right? It wasn't one of those things to where you had players that already in the system and then someone went, well, look, this is my role. This is what I'm doing. So, no, you don't need to be drifting wide. You need to stay right where you're at, whereas this time you can discover, oh, okay, you know what? You can drift wide when I go up and it, it works well and, you know, et cetera. Yeah, exactly. As players, we know that as well, that we we need to play to each other's strengths. So if someone's quick, I know I can play a ball in in behind and stuff like that, whereas some players might not be as technical. You just sort of play to their style. And we've been learning to play with each other pretty well. So So talk a little bit about what it's like being a player, being on the road so much. So, you know, FC Tucson obviously travels way more than any other team, almost double what the next closest team has to travel. Uh, Talk about what it's like as a player recovering, you know, uh, you know, do you guys, you know, go to Orlando, then come back to Tucson and then go back or, do, you know, do you, obviously you spent some time on the road between a couple of the matches. Um, and I, I think the schedule was designed that way, obviously to help you guys. But um, you know, what, what do you do when you're on the road so much for, you know, to keep fit, to make sure you recover properly and, um, and uh, you know, at the same time, stay safe. Yeah. Cause you guys have only played yeah. like one home game this year, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. We did. Uh, well, you, you have a stream yeah. coming up, though. <laughs> yeah. So going into the uh, the period where we're about to start games, um, I didn't think all of us players quite knew how much traveling we would be doing. It. it we sort of have come together and, and realized, damn, we're actually traveling a lot and, and traveling more than any other team. Um, so we just have to be uh, professional within that, and obviously the restrictions with the with the mask, traveling through, and, and being so careful throughout the airport is just just makes it that much harder to sort of relax and try and recover. So um, yeah, we have to be as professional as we can. We've got no choice. We ha- we have to do like everything we can to recover, especially with games in the humidity. Sometimes you come off, you got cramp, that delays recovery, stuff like that. But our athletic trainer here, he's such a good guy and he does such a great job with all the boys. So we're in, we're in great care, to be honest. It's most, it's most of that hydration. I mean, is that is that basically what your trainer says? Like, here, take these electrolytes and, and make sure you stay hydrated. Is that the single? So you have a hydrometer yeah. that you check with your, your finger with all the time? <laughs> yeah, being hydrated is probably the, the most key component to that. And then obviously getting enough calories in is, is definitely important because we, we burn a hell of a amount of calories. So sort of being able to 
be switched on with both those and then sleeping is uh is another one with the time difference going from west coast to east coast in in a matter of days and then some trips with six days we'd be our sleep pattern some of us can fall asleep on game day it gets to one o'clock and you know without sleep it's very hard to play very hard to play what did you work on this off season that you're looking towards implementing more this season? Was there something, I mean, obviously off season got cut short due to the pandemic, but was there something that you went into this year saying, okay, I want to improve on this. Like last year, obviously one of the best in the leagues at creating chances, but was there something to where you wanted to win more duels to get the ball? You know, what was something that you wanted to work on? Yeah. So I sort of, set my standards going from last year and last year I came off uh, an, a knee injury so I was, I was happy to play every game pretty much every game I think bar one was uh, was enjoyable to do last year so going into this year I sort of wanted to uh, I'd done most areas all right but I wanted to sort of finish a little bit get uh, better and, and pick up around at least five goals you know but obviously, coming to Tucson, I might I might be in areas where where I won't get as many chances in midfield. But I'm more than happy setting people up and, and creating chances because that's sort of one of my main strengths. And obviously, last year getting second with most chances created in the league, I wanted to continue that and show that I'm a creative player. Yeah, just take those five goals you wanted and turn them into assists, and that's mm -hmm. you're good to go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I wanted to tidy up a few areas because. Looking back on the video from some games, I'd get in such good opportunities and just maybe a little bit more composure to finish the ball would, uh, would sort of top it off and maybe a, a bit of luck going with that, you know. Yeah. Last question concerning, um, you know, kind of kind of your style of play and, and how you prepare for games. Um, so you're going away this weekend to uh, to Union Omaha. You're going to play them uh, on Saturday night. Uh, you know, what, what do you do to prepare the rest of this week for a match like that? Um, you know, is it a lot of video? Is it saying, okay, here's the, you know, where I need to be versus their, their number six or, or their um, in between their center backs? Like what, what, what do you do specifically to prepare for an opponent like, uh, like Omaha? A little boxing training might help too. Cause they're yeah. down there swinging, taking punches, just giving you the heads up. Yeah. Yeah. No, they're a physical team. Um, we saw that at home. So obviously having footage from uh, from the home game is uh, nice. We we do watch video as a team. Um, I think that's a great way to prepare for other teams. So uh, that's definitely one of the components. But um, obviously going back onto the field, we had two uh, days off over the weekend. We didn't play. I know uh, a lot of teams did, but we we got uh, two days off. So it's sort of nice to uh, relax and recover before we started on on this Monday and. Uh, We've been working on specific areas um, as a team. I don't want to give too much away, <laughs> just in case any uh, Omaha staff yeah. are watching. But yeah. no, we, we you know, know we know that they know that they play ten ten v ten against North I'm Texas. Yeah, they know that you and uh, you Shaq are about to try to run circles around them. They they know it's coming. Yeah. No, definitely. <laughs> my my last question for you before we let you go. Now that you have to travel so much. Are you gonna pick up a new hobby? Are you gonna start listening to some podcasts? You gonna start like a? Does the team have like a book club for you guys to read on the plane? Like, is, is there something that you're gonna do with this newfound time you got? 
Yeah, I mean, everything's pretty personal at the minute because we're not allowed to sort of hang out together as much as we'd like. So it's, right. it's whatever you can do within yourself and uh, whatever entertains you, really. Because so there's, you... there's been many hours being sat at the airport and just uh, sort of waiting for planes to take off, stuff like that, just stuck, sat down by yourself, you know, headphones in. Just... Well, DM me some of your interests and I'm going to send you some podcasts. We're going we gonna to get you some entertainment going. <laughs> <laughs> I'm down for that. All right. Great. That's Charlie Dennis, attacker for FC Tucson. Charlie, thanks very much for coming on League One Fun. Appreciate yeah. it, Charlie. Absolute pleasure. Thank you. Bye. So that was great. Uh, thanks very much, Jason, for setting that up. Um, why don't we head to the news then? Uh, yes. Really quickly, just a couple of little items. So firstly... Uh, COVID update. Uh, so nothing from the league yet because uh, we're recording early this week, and I think something's supposed to come out Thursdays maybe. Uh, but, I mean, if you want a sneak peek from what I've heard, <laughs> uh, I know of at least two cases um, from from staff. So, and it's I don't know if it's leftover from last week, so I don't know if it's continued for this, if it counts for this week, but that's what I've heard so far. Okay. Uh, well, we'll get more from, from the league on that, uh, usually on Wednesday or Thursday. But, uh, you know, interesting news here. So there was a news article out where a USL League One player who used to play in League Two for the Ocean City Nor'easters, now he plays for the Richmond Kickers. But Mwape might be called up to the Zambian national team. Apparently, there's a little bit of a listen, little bit of chatter about this. I mean, what do you listen, what do you think about that, Jason? Africa's all over League One, baby. Like you know, you had a uh, Muhammad last year for the Somalia team and actually scored in their World Cup qualifier. So yeah, and he's been great. We'll talk about him a little bit as the games are going on. But the way that his role now, uh, being the one who pretty much sets up. The, the attacks, right? You like, mean Mwape, like, yeah. Yeah, Mwape, yes. So with Mwape, then playing wide, he gets to kind of dictate how he wants to go, whether it's going to be directly to the box, whether it's going to, you know, cross the field, wrap around. And he's been playing great. And so with the way that Richmond's been playing, you've really gotten to see his playing style and what suits him best. And yeah, people are taking notice. So it'd be yeah, great his, for him to get a call his, up. His service has been fantastic from, from the left side. You know, he's really been able to serve the ball, whether from set pieces or from the run of play um he's really you know he and he and scotty thompson we'll talk about that a little later today they've they've really made that left side of richmond really really dangerous together um i think it would be great but but here, yeah. here's the here's the thing jason i would be a little worried about if i was a richmond fan i mean i think it's great mm -hmm. you know good exposure for the league and everything but you know league one doesn't uh, doesn't honor international breaks so what do the kickers do if it's like coming yeah. down the last couple of games and he gets called up to that international window and we'll talk about it because the one thing that we don't know too, too much of as we do with other teams is their depth, right? And yep. the, the rotation, they've pretty much started the same guys. They've been, uh, you know, blessed to where they don't have to have these back-to-back, -back, you know, double game weeks or travel so much though, you know, they've, they've had a game canceled, so they've gotten their rest. So yeah, who knows what yeah. happens to, to when they do have to play multiple games a week or if he does leave for a, for a, game well and they will because they've had a rescheduled game already that's going to yep. wind up you know making them have uh you know three games in eight days uh at least two more times so um you know that's going to be an interesting uh yeah. interesting thing for coach Swatsky to to deal with okay so you know we're not going to review every game tonight uh because we are a little bit pressed for time here jason so but why don't uh, i just 
I know you got big boy owner things to do tonight. It's fine. Sorry. So so just so everyone knows, um, I'm gonna gonna prop some stuff here a little bit. This is this is my current branding of my team. Uh, that's gonna play in USL League Two, Real Central New Jersey. And we have tryouts tomorrow for our first U23 teams that we're gonna field in the fall. Um, so it's uh, it's an all hands on deck kind of week for us. Um, but but we will review three of the games that I think we found the most uh, some of the most compelling games to talk about both tactically and just a lot of interesting stuff go on. But um, you know, do we want to talk just a little bit about um, Fort Lauderdale versus North Texas? Oh, do we? Yes, last Wednesday. I definitely yeah. want to five uh, a five goal. I would call, would I call it thriller? I think no. so. No, I mean it's, not a it's thriller. okay. So is it entertaining thrilling? Yes. Is it? Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, a magnificent style of play thrilling. No, no, not at all. So, so what, what's, what's it, what's interesting about both of these teams is they both know how to attack. I mean, they have very yep. fun attacks. Um, as, you know, I don't know if, you know, I actually go back. I think North, you know, North Texas is an interesting team in that they, as of today. So after the, the other game, they've actually scored the second most goals in the league. Um, and but they've also had the most goals scored against them in the league. So right. you, know, <laughs> you know they even more than than Orlando City B, which is amazing. But I think I think they might have played a game or two more than Orlando. Yeah. Um, but the, but the you know but the point is is that <laughs> there you know there's going to be goals in a North Texas game for sure, yeah. right? And then in the last twenty minutes too, they couldn't they can't hold a lead. They couldn't even hold a door open. It's wild uh, those last twenty minutes of every North Texas game. But this one was dictated in the first half. And yeah. Fort Lauderdale came out swinging, and they they it wasn't just from an offensive standpoint. They had ten interceptions, seven of them came in the midfield. Blaine Ferry was killing it, thirty two passes, ninety percent passing accuracy in the opponent's half. Only had one unsuccessful pass, and then uh, you see he was the one who had that beautiful through ball in the thirty six minute that set up that goal. Yep. Um, you know, and then. I mean, Brian Rosales continues to get forward, plays very well. And then, of course, you know, Sosa, right? Yeah. Like, what can you say? How, how, like, good, how good is Sosa? I mean, I put that in the show notes. He's, he's, he's ridiculously good. He's, he's, he should not be playing. <laughs> like, as much as it's fun for us to see him in League One, appreciate it while you can, because there's no way this man is playing past this season. In this league. He's just yeah. too good. Yeah, I would be pretty surprised if he wasn't at least called up as a as an off the bench kind of guy for Inter Miami at some point. Yeah. You know, you get one injury up there, and I think he's probably called up. Um, I mean, they tried to slow him down. They they fouled him four times. They tried to do what other teams have done, and it it still doesn't matter, right? And then also when you have Blaine in the midfield playing like he does, it's tough to you can't really you know say okay, I'm we're going to focus on him and foul him because as you see Blaine could pick up those pieces and Blaine's not losing the ball or giving the ball away in bad passes with one unsuccessful pass. Yeah. Um so you know another thing that we'll talk about a little later too, North Texas only 360 passes. So, you know, coach Quill had said last year, look, their goal is 600 passes a game. I don't know if that's changed but they're not even close this season. And then, I mean, the passes that they did try to do, Fort Lauderdale was right there in their face. Yep. And listen, if Sosa had played the whole season from the get-go, they are second place in this, or, or at least tied for second right now in the league. Yeah, I mean, I mean they, they'd be a spot or two up, up yeah. the, the pitch for, because for sure. You take that, the, the, the Tucson red card in the midfield doesn't happen because that's Sosa's position and where he would have been. 
And then you get those points against Tucson. Who knows what yeah. would have happened? You always say that, right? Because Akira Fitzgerald doesn't come out of that first game for Richmond. Maybe they would have drawn or won. You know. uh, but our boy, Breck Evans, our, our you know friend of the pod, Breck Evans, he got an assist in this match. So nice to see a center back. He's, get an assist. he's looked good in, that, yeah. in the past couple of weeks. He's one yeah. of the bright spots in North Texas where you can see he's getting back comfortable and, uh, and getting the feel of things again. Yeah. Well, again, he, he'll wind up in the championship, I think, when it's safe for him to do so. I, I would be shocked if he wasn't. Yeah. Um, all right. So moving on, um, we had on that same day, on that Wednesday, at Union Omaha drew to Forward Madison. Forward Madison went down to – what are we calling this? Is this some kind of derby? Has, have – has the parliament and and the the flock name this thing? I don't I, even I know. Listen, I every every day I log on Twitter and I see chai derbies and all kind of different derbies that are I've never heard of before. Okay. So yeah. I just I just keep it moving. The riverboat derby. I, I, I don't <laughs> know. <laughs> Go down yeah. to Mississippi there, um, but you know this this tied tied one one um, again. Our our other friend of the pod, Eric Leonard, he he winds up scoring in the eighth minute for Michael Bang uh, Vang. How, um, how good is that McAllen whiskey you've been you've been holding out for oh, twenty years? for this day <laughs> i know seriously so so here's the thing that goal was madison's only shot on target the whole game crazy i mean you know it, it, so madison still even though they've definitely looked better than they did earlier in the season they're yeah. still not generating that much offense i mean that that, that four nil result aside right. they really are not consistently generating a lot of well, offense and perhaps the omaha's defense though right omaha doesn't really let too many people score on them unless they go down a man and it's but in in omaha's had a stout defense now it's just that it's one of those things to where they're learning how to turn it into offense and uh you know when you look at the game i i think one one you let me know if you think different i think one one is fair omaha could have took it late but i would say one one both teams should be happy with that the way the way that they the way that Omaha played, I think it's the, it's a deserved one. One Omaha only had one shot after the red card. Yeah, one shot after a red card. That's ridiculous. I mean, that just shows you that that yeah. does show you something. Uh, that shows you again. How, yeah, I mean, but it but, shows you how how organized Madison's defense yep. can be. Right. Yeah. Thirty seven clearances in this game by um but by, by the Madison defense. So and that's and, why and, that's why Turbo's leading the league. That's what he does, right? You you substitute experience for speed and he knows how to position himself. He knows to where to be to not get beat. Uh and not, you know, whether it's a someone coming into the box for a header, whether it's a one v one, you know, that's that's what it's like to have the the veterans on your team. And why does everyone try and cross against Turbo? I mean that's, 30, that's 31 I crosses. Get. I mean that's play I play get. it into the middle. Play and with Josiah was playing too, right? Like both yeah. of those guys have been maybe top, I would say the top two, top three center back duo in the league this year, right? Probably top two. So I, I don't know why you're doing that. I truly yeah. don't. So uh, moving on, uh, so this is a game we'll spend maybe a little bit more time with um, because it, it does have implications for the top of the table. It was Richmond's first win away from City Stadium in, I think it was a little over a year. Um, so it was. No. Yeah, I, I refuse to believe that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that that's. Uh, you, you know, I, I I'm I'm basing it on either either Nathan or River City '93. Um, that's one of those good sources that that research such things but it's certainly uh it's been a long time since they had a, an away win um they went up to foxborough stadium played in what scotty thompson told me was a uh, was just a cavernous ghost 
uh, town because there was no <laughs> fans in the stadium and it's such a massive venue. Yeah, like um, they've never played in um, uh, Orlando before. Come on. Well, I, I think it's I think it's the size of the stadium, right? It's gotcha. like a sixty five thousand person stadium. It's like you go to Toronto and there's yeah. no one in the stands, but that's like playing in the park, right? That's right. different than. Um, I think the other, the, you know, the other thing that that Scotty mentioned to me was um, was just exactly how big the pitch is. Apparently, it's a very you can't tell from the cameras, but apparently, it's extremely wide up there, okay. um, which uh, which is is interesting. Um, so which anyway, we're, Richmond because we're, they've been killing it with their wide play, the, the way that they play for sure. But I think I think it's more that it, it affected his legs and he was tired. Um, <laughs> Sorry, Scotty. I, <laughs> um, calling your boy out like that? Come on. Yeah. All of the uh, so all of the uh, goals happened in the second half. Um, I didn't think the first half. You know, it was almost like these guys were feeling each other out. You know, it wasn't. Uh, it, I mean, I, it was a, it was an interesting it. half. Yeah. Um, Richmond could have been up 2-0. Uh, it was the post. There, the, yeah. the player of the match, the post, because uh, <laughs> yeah, because and it, and it was funny because when you. Both of those plays were shut up, uh, set up by Mwape. And so yeah. even though the second one, you know, it wasn't his assist that went to it like the first, but he was the one that set up that whole offense to the ball to the middle, which then wrapped to the outside, which allowed uh, for the shot. So, you know, Richmond, that defense is scary. It's and they showed that in the first half. New England had nothing for them in that first half. It's really interesting how um, you know Kyle Ventner going there from Tucson it really changed that back line. I mean, we knew Akwe was was a good one on one defender, but one of the criticisms I think last year we had was that the back line wasn't always organized, and obviously they basically platooned who Akwe's partner was um, almost every week. Um, so I think having that consistent pairing, I think you mentioned this last week on the show, that consistent pairing really has been. Um, you know, a godsend for Richmond at this point. So they're and not leaking goals. Yeah. And that's why I called, you know, Connor and Josiah top two, because I think top one is this Richmond duo, right? Like Kyle and Ivan have been killing it. They're just a brick wall. They're not allowing any crosses in, uh, you know, when they are one V one, they defend well. And then they get, they have the times to where when Antley goes up and, and Thompson goes up, they can be exposed, so it's a lot of responsibility for them. The same way it is for Connor and Josiah, and but they've stepped up to it this year. And like you said, I think organization has a lot to do with that. Yeah, they did. Uh, you know, they did have uh, Richmond. Uh, excuse me, not Richmond. Um, uh, the Revolution too had had their chances, though. They did have four shots on target. Akira had to come up big a couple of times. So, um, yeah, you know, this definitely definitely could have been a draw. And in fact. I actually had this in the pick'em down as a draw. I figured it was like a one-one draw. It was like I was very happy after New England scored their um, their tying goal in the seventy-first. Um, can, can we just talk a little bit about the goals, though, Jason? Because yeah. because all of them, all three, were fascinating in their own right, as far as I as far as I'm concerned. So the first one was uh, Richmond went up in the fifty-third minute. Terzaghi, of course, scored. So you know, like you said, you know, Richmond scouting, that's, that's the, you know, the newcomer of the year in league one so far for sure. But, um, but so- more importantly, like I said last week is the reason why Richmond are getting these goals is because where they're getting the ball. Yeah. And a yeah. lot of time last year, they were stuck in their own half trying to play out the back. And this year they're, they're pressing. And so that I think was turned over by Antley, right. Who gets the ball, you know, 35 yards out from the goal and then sets it up yeah, for so- that. 
So I think oh. the first one I thought was Scotty Thompson. Um, the second one was Antley. Yeah. Okay. Um, so the first one, yeah, Scott Thompson. Yeah, you know, high presses on the on the left side. Uh, he basically makes a tackle near the touchline. He tries to get a ball through to Pavone, but um, yeah, didn't but quite was, work out. But it was blocked out. <laughs> but it popped up and it went fell right to Matt Bolduck, who you, you know you get the ball in those dangerous positions right at the top of the D, and yeah. a guy like Matt Bolduck can find that that great kind of looping run of Terzaghi and uh, Terzaghi. He gets the ball, takes a touch with his right foot, and then hits it with his right foot again, which is also something you don't see very frequently. Um, and uh, you know, just gets the ball into the into the near post. And what I thought was was really, you know, we didn't we haven't said Matt Boldick's name that frequently this year. Whereas last year, he was a key part of the limited Richmond offense that they had. Um, do, do you think he's been quiet more because? You know, Kraft and 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 Mwape have been more involved, or See, I think we're talking about Kraft and Mwape and Antley and everyone because they're involved in these duels in the middle. But Boldick, what he supplies, first and foremost, he's been booking this year, right? So he's shocked me with his speed, but also he comes in and is almost that player that has the MLS assist, right? To yeah. where he sets up that pass that then goes to Mwape or then goes to Riley who then gets a through ball and Terzaghi. And so I think it's the work that might not get on the score sheet for him, but he, his work ethic is crazy. And because of that, Richmond is able to set up these offensive attacks because he's up there. He's beating his guys. He's drawing defenders out wide to allow the spacing for these runs from Scotty to come in later or for Mwape to find room to then make the pass. So no, I like, like you said, he, his name might not be mentioned a lot, but he's doing the dirty work and he deserves some credit for that. Yeah. And uh, you know, that goal, obviously he d- definitely deserved the assist. That was a, a great little through ball that I think passed uh, three or four defenders on on its way to uh, Terzaghi. Um, in the 73rd minute, 18 minutes later, New England ties it up. Um, Malongo uh basically took a short corner uh, to Spalding. And and it seemed like the Richmond, no one closed down uh, Milongo because everyone, I think, thought that Spalding was going to cross it. And like, you know, and it was almost like Richmond's daring them to cross, like cross it in. We know we're going to clear it out. Like it's, it's fine. Um, but instead he winds up uh, getting it back to Milongo, who then I think Richmond still thought he was going to cross <laughs> it to the back post because no one stepped to him. Like right. no, no one at all stepped to Milongo. Milongo is at the top of the 18 and um, just hits a nice ball far post. I mean, Akira, I don't think could even see it because he didn't even die for it or yeah. anything. And yeah. uh, it winds up going in far post one, one. Yeah. And that's the only way it, especially this year, you're going to beat Akira, right? <laughs> like <laughs> seems that way. Yeah. Th- just make sure you, you, you shoot when, uh, yeah, just, when he screened. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just, just blind him off of being able to see the shot. <laughs> yeah. And I, I want you to talk a little bit about this, this, uh, last one, because, uh, you know, Ian, uh, so in 80, in the 82nd minute, Richmond does get the winner. Um, Antley is on the right hand in the right hand channel. He's wide open. No one from new England stepping to him at all right so i don't know if they're scared of him they think that his pythons are gonna you know come out and bite them like i really don't know what's going on but he uh he crosses the ball far post and riley Kraft is uh making a a, a really quick run and he's not even a half step he's like a quarter of a step in front of his defender yeah. gets a toe in and, and finishes it for the for what was ultimately the winner the funny part about this is yeah so everyone so i i don't know which their their left back I don't know who it was at the time but you have to feel for New England's left back because he is stuck to where he can either pull up to put pressure on Antley but then you're leaving a wide open bolt up 
on the right side, right? And so he kind of has to stay back. And it was just a case of New England not getting back. And this was something that you saw throughout the game constantly. So even when you go back to the eighth minute where New where uh, Richmond hits the post, Richmond had a three verse three v one counterattack. There was nobody back there for New England, and it wasn't like they won the ball like at in their own half at the top of the box. They won the ball like 35, 40 yards back. So right. there's no excuse for them. So with New England, who it was surprising, who has been defensively sound and have kind of you know have been back more. They took a chance to go up thinking maybe that Richmond wasn't much of a counter team, but Richmond made them pay for it. And this was another example because nobody, and you know, yes, you got tired legs. It's towards the end of the game, but yeah, nobody came back. And because of that, you put your left back in a terrible position. And even when you go look at the cross, I don't know who was on the far side, um, but he was wide open as well. So if Riley Kraft doesn't get to it, you've got another player who can then go? Yeah, I think it was. I think it might have been Mwape if he had. Yeah, somebody, I can't remember whoever came in for him. Yeah. Somebody's wide open, and I'm just like, man, like, I don't, I don't know. Like, it's not like one person, Mister, the whole damn team, Mister Mark. So. Yeah, in in that moment, yeah. All right, uh, so moving on, another another game that we'll spend a little bit of time on, and this was a very important game because this game could actually have decided the fate of both teams potentially, depending yes. on how they do in the next couple of weeks. Um, but it was Chattanooga hosting South Georgia Tormenta, and Chattanooga scores one while Tormenta scored dos. It was the first win of the season for Tormenta, though. So, you know, we, we talked about this last week. They they kind of need to go on a little run here and probably get, you know, four more points from the next two games, if not, you know, six more points in order to have any shot at all of uh, of coming uh, of coming in second place. Um, this was, by the way, um, so I, I happened to speak to owner Darren Van Tassel uh, yesterday. And he uh, he reminded me to say this on the pod. So, and, and I'm not saying this because I have a, their scarf behind me because now I have everyone's scarf, as you can see. This was the first time they had 18 players available to for selection. Um, and I, and I was going to say, yeah, I, and there was an interview with a, uh, and they announced it during the game with John Milleracy, and he pretty much said he felt that the week going into it, that was like their first real week of practice because they actually had all the players. They were, you know, they people can play in their own position. They actually got to practice what they wanted to practice. The coaches actually got the coach and be there. And so, uh, yeah. And then you saw that because in the first half, it was, you know, defending a little bit, you know, trying to stay in the game, trying to get there, trying to get everybody back into a groove. And then I don't know what kind of pep talk. Uh, Coach Miller Racy gave them in the second half, but they came out and they were firing. It was it was a Jekyll and Hyde. Chattanooga got way too con- complacent. They didn't they didn't do what they needed to do to kill the game off. They had multiple chances, especially in the first half, and then because of that. You see what happens. Yeah. So, you know, this was a pretty even game in terms of, of stats, right? So, I mean, passes, uh, you know, possession, obviously you don't, you don't love possession, but you know, shots, they both had 12 shots. It was shots on target was six to five. So, you know, it was a majorly close game. Um, But we have to talk a little bit about um, the first goal, especially for which Chattanooga scored in the 26th minute. Uh, The ball came out of the back. Hernandez basically crossed a through ball to uh, Greg Hurst and Greg Hurst just knows how to hit a ball. Um, Yeah. I I, like one of the things that when we'll talk about it, I guess going more into the second half, but the most shocking thing in that game to me was they took out Greg Hurst because 
that man, I, I think, is as important to Chattanooga as any player is to any team right now. And he, because it's not even just the scoring, right? Like he does so many things right, even on holdup plays, even like with his passing, like even drawing attention. Um, yeah, I mean, he's just he's a beast. He's in so he form right he now. He was given he was given a little bit of space, about twenty five yards from goal, and you know he hit the ball hard and you know right into the corner. I mean, very you know nothing really that a goalkeeper could do um, from you know a postage stamp kind of kind of hit. Um, I agree with you. I mean, I think if if Chattanooga happens to make uh, the finals, I think you know it's going to be Greg Hurst has to be the MVP of the league. Yep. You know, like like you could probably make the case of some people in Greenville if they come in first or whatever. But but I think Hurst, given given that without Hurst, I think Chattanooga um, isn't well certainly not where they are. I mean, just his production, oh, no. like you yeah. said. I mean, his his assists, his hold up play. I mean, his all around. I think he would be the team. As, as great as Ricky and Hernandez have been, where's the ball going once they get up there, right? Yep. So. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so 79th minute, uh, there's a uh, penalty kick. Um, uh, you know, yeah. I, 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 was it a pen? Yeah, I think it yeah. was. Um, and Micheletto just slots it home and, and actually, you, you know, Mangles almost had it. I mean, Mangles yeah, guessed, he, he right? guessed right. Micheletto was like an inch farther to the left yeah. then Mangles probably gets a finger to that. And maybe it's not a goal, but, uh, yeah. but it was a it great, was a great, a great take. Yeah. Yeah. Really was. And, uh, how about how about Mayor's goal for the uh, for the winner? What yeah. another banger! Like everyone, it's it yeah. like every every game seemed to have you know some chance of just this outside 25, 30, 35 yard shot when we get to it. Um, you know, it was like everyone was trying to outdo themselves with how far the, out they could score from, and and yeah, Mayor's Mayor's banger from twenty five seems you know was just great. Welcome to league one where all goals are either bangers or deflections off of the goalkeeper trying to clear the ball nothing in between that is it we don't do tap ins here we don't do any of that it's those are your two options yeah um so so besides being uh, besides being healthy and having a full roster you know what what do you think jason that south georgia tormenta did here because chattanooga was you know has been a reasonably solid team both defensively and offensively um this season so far right they they've you know i would say that you know basically it's basically the independent teams outside of south georgia have all been reasonably solid and consistent most of the season and this was um i i think this was a tormenta win rather than a chattanooga loss i would say in some some cases so what what did they do that they couldn't do without their full roster you think yeah, they, you can tell in the second half even with their with their subs and everything it was a complete they, they had the energy right you had the will when the first 10 minutes of that second half you can tell who wanted to win this game more right chattanooga had them on the ropes the whole first half. And I even tweeted that before the game, the key was if Tormenta can just stay in the game going into the second half, they would have a shot. They could not let Chattanooga end it before it started. And that's exactly what happened. And this isn't new for Chattanooga, right? This is what happened the first time they played Tormenta. It's one of those things to where now that the team is healthy, now they have more subs, there's a sense of confidence, especially as they were getting more chances. I mean, when you look at the chances created between the two teams, first half, second half, 
it's complete opposite, right? Like Tormenta barely had any in the first half and then had all of them in the second half. And Chattanooga barely had any in the second half. They spent most of their time defending. And so when a team is spending most of their time defending and then you have another team attacking, attacking, that 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 pendulum's going to swing. And that PK was, was the tipping point, right? As soon as that PK happened, it was like, there's another goal coming in this game. Well, and last year, you know, Chattanooga, you know, uh, it kind of made a run for the playoffs in, you know, being that team that could could win one nil all the time. Right. And, and, and the, you know, so the fact that they actually lost the game that they were leading in was was a little bit surprising. Yeah. Stephen Beattie did come into this game, by the way. So um, he did play. Yeah. I don't remember how long it was. I didn't mark it down. I think but it was 20 minutes 20, and five yeah, minutes. He, good. Just, he went in for the wrong person. You don't take out Greg Hurst, man. Yeah. I don't I don't like that. And I understand you know, you brought in a, a, a central defensive midfielder to kind of hold the ball, right? You want to be able to hold possession. You want to try to to slow the game down, not let Tormenta pass so much and attack so much. But you still have to have somebody up top that allows Tormenta to not fully go in, right? You have to have a threat for them to be like, all right, we can't get caught up too high unless then they have a chance to really put the game away. So yep. I, I, you know, and I think coach Jimmy has been doing great with Chattanooga this year, especially with a bunch of new players uh, at the West coast takeover. But yeah, um, I just, you know, the second half you, you watch Chattanooga not want it as much. Yep. Agreed. Uh, okay. So moving on a game that we're not going to talk uh, very much about. It was uh, of course a Greenville win one nil against Fort Lauderdale. That's the only that's way. Greenville does. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you know, nothing spectacular here. Um, you know, Greenville did what Greenville does. Fort Lauderdale was was shut down. I mean, I mean, this was you know, Fort Lauderdale. We we've lauded about their um, their their attack quite a lot, but they only had eight shots on net, only two in the second, uh, only two on target. Um, you know, that's that's solid defending right there from from Greenville. Yeah, but but also props to Fort Lauderdale for bringing it right, and it's one of those things to where. It, it, you know, Noah has the goal of the week, right? As like just an absolute incredible banger. And if that's what you get beat by from the best team in the league, you should feel confident about that because at the same time, it wasn't like Greenville had a bunch of chances and, you know, Fort Lauderdale kind of just willed the battle until they got to the end. They, it was a back and forth game to where, you know, either team could have had a, you know, could have, could have won or could have potentially been a zero zero game, but well, it could have been. It easily could have been one-one, but of course, you know, and the announcer said this too, and and so did our friend Ross, right? Ross Davenport said, you know, noted that hey, it's not a Greenville game unless Dallas J makes a spectacular it's, it's save. Always at least win. one. Always, it doesn't. It, it can be against Orlando City B. It doesn't matter for for whatever reason. It's always going to be one spectacular save. Yeah, that's right. And uh, I think he actually made kind of two in this uh, in this match yeah. as well. So um, and and including one that that one shot that that they had where uh, uh, where Dallas really had to to stretch for it. Um, Greenville had nine players behind the ball at the time too, so yeah. it was it wasn't like it was a uh, you know you know Jay you know had a great look at the ball and saw it early. I mean that was hard to do. Listen, as a as a lazy keeper, it's tough <laughs> to play. Like if your team is great defensively, I played on a great defensive team. You could get back there and and kind of lose it, right? Lose that momentum, lose that feeling. So for Jay to sit there and then come up with these big saves after he might not even touch the ball for the past ten minutes, that's huge for a keeper. Yeah, that's and that's pretty much what happened. Yeah, because those shots were after the 80th minute. Yeah. 
Um, okay, so on Sunday then, um, the early game was uh, forward Madison scored two against Orlando City B. Um, was it two or three? I can't remember. Uh, I thought there was a third one late, but I might be making that up. Uh, maybe not. I don't remember. Yeah, um, I, I know Madison I, won. I know I didn't see the first goal. So, yeah, yeah there was well, a no, no one saw the first goal. Yeah, it was it was 3-1. There was a yeah. late one. Oh, um, okay, so I missed that one. Sorry. I, I was keeping my show notes at running as the uh, as the games were yeah. going on because yeah, – you know, Listen, it's it was tough because, you know, most of the game was B-roll footage of a couple going back and forth to the car 20 million times. We had my man – uh, showing off his GQ pose, hanging on the fence. It was uh, <laughs> it was entertaining for other reasons, uh, which which is great when you have OCB playing, right? Sometimes you need some, a little extra entertainment for when they're on the field. Yeah. So um, yeah, Eli Lockerbie did score, um, although Eli- no one no one apparently saw it because the feed wasn't on <laughs> but but the former richmond kicker did get on the on the score sheet and and of course michael vang um you know assisted him which seems we'll, to we'll be what michael vang does we'll talk about that in a little bit all right okay so let's uh let's go move on to uh, uh the i was it, this was the last game of the weekend right yes good oh, yeah. last game of the weekend this is the game that i, I we're, we're going to start a new segment here for for the rest of the season uh-huh. and uh but this was north texas 2 Union Omaha to down in Arlington, Texas. North Texas scored um, uh, both scored and conceded the most goals in USL League One this season. Yep. Um, I mean, crazy. So we're going to call this segment, if you don't mind, Jason. You can you can have a spicy take segment, whatever you want. We're going to call this Irish Soapbox. Okay. So here we go. I will let you. I will let you take the stage. So I think I figured out what's different about North Texas this year versus last year. And that is the purpose of their passing. So I mentioned a number of times tonight, I've mentioned before that North Texas tends to do death by 600 passes. That was how they did it last year. But when they passed it all, they also passed with a purpose. And that purpose was either to draw out defenders or to change the point of attack. And that's not what they're doing right now. Right now, they're basically just keeping possession to keep possession. And they're holding on to the ball, and other teams are letting them pass in the midfield and in the back. But North Texas isn't taking the option to move and pass and move and pass. And this is where guys like um, Arturo Rodriguez were outstanding last year. And the reason why his brother, uh, you know, Thomas Roberts, Rayo, they're great players in their own right but they don't move in the same way because I think they don't have guys on the outside near the touchline who can be the pivot to make all the passing work. Um, This year, they're averaging 468 passes per game. Last year, 545 passes per game. Now you might say that's, you know, what's 77 passes between friends. It doesn't really matter. You know, there's a lot of teams that win games that only have 250 passes or so, but North Texas's mantra was, Pass the ball, pass the ball, draw out the defenders, switch the point of attack, go to goal, and score. And they're not doing that this year. And and if they're going to get anything out of this season, they need to change that and change it quickly, and they need to find the personnel to do that. And now I will get off my soapbox, Jason. Have you been on TV before, Ira? That was pretty good. good. (laughs) I feel like you've you've been on TV or you've done something similar. But you're 100% right. Like last year, they get the ball, right? They press. First thing in their mind. Where's Arturo? Where's Arturo? Where can I get him the ball? Right. And Arturo was the one who would get it. 
and or, or, allowed- Richard, or on the other side, Richard Danso, right? Yeah. So it was like Otoro was on the left and Richard Danso was on the right. And, you know, the two, they got it to the two of them and then everyone moved and moved around them. And yeah. they're just not doing that this year. No. And, and it's a shame. Hopefully he'll get the play. Uh, but Redzik, I think, is a player who could be that person to where he can start making that happen, right? He can kind of be the pivot that draws in defenders that allows for that the flow. But yeah, they can't get a flow going. That's all it is, right? And like even that this game in uh, against Omaha, it's literally passes being given away, passes being given away, back and forth, back and forth, and. Yeah, and then you get the physicality of it, right? Like, so then when North Texas does look like they have an opportunity to get a flow going, Omaha's a physical team and was going in. I mean, Omaha had like 10 fouls in the first six minutes of the game or something crazy like that. So, and I think that's that's a trend every team that's played North Texas this year, right? It's like, oh, we already know what y'all are going to do, so we're just going to be physical. We're not going to allow you to build that up. And so it's been tough for North Texas to find an answer to that. Um but, you know, you, you feel for them this past week because let's get into it. Let's, let's be honest. Omaha is lucky that this game was 10v10 because it really rarely right. happens this way. So, it should, so, firstly, it shouldn't have been 10v10, I think. Um, no, you know, no, no. I, yeah, I mean, but we, we also don't know the whole story. So, but let, let's first, let's go through the goals. Let's go through the major events, I should say. There were five major events in this, okay. in this match. Event number one <laughs> happened in a minute 38 in. Yeah. Um, North Texas is attacking down the, the right side. They get the ball into the middle. It kind of bounces around a little bit, gets cleared by a header. About 35 yards out, someone who was very familiar to North Texas uh, fans last year. So Edwin Cirillo came down from FC Dallas to play for North Texas once again. And he said, why not? Why not? You know, yards from goal. He hits the ball. It's a laser into the top left corner. Bangers only in this league. (laughs) Don't, if you're, if you're, if you're a college student, if you're an international uh, player and you're looking to come this league, Go outside right now and hit three bangers in a row before you even think about coming here for a combine. <laughs> it's true. So Edwin Cirillo, I mean, that was a, a spectacular goal. Um, I mean, I'll I'll tell you right now, I voted for it for goal of the week because I, I see. Edwin, I like those better because of the timing. Like he had to let that ball go across his whole body and time oh. it. In the but but yeah, again, I I tweeted you can give it to literally all of them this week and just be done. Yeah, they were they were all great. They were all great goals for sure. Um, so, you know, it became a very tactical battle. There was a lot of, uh, a lot of physicality in the middle for the rest of the half. And early in the second half is where the, the, the game, the, 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 event that, the event that completely opened up this game occurred. So the 51st minute, um, both Nuhu and Ronaldo Damas get red cards. So the goalkeeper for Union Omaha, as well as the striker for, uh, North Texas get red cards. Damas. So Nuhu gets the ball, he bobbles it a little bit, then he picks it up. And Ronaldo Damas does the boneheaded thing of kicking it out of Nuhu's hand. Yellow card. Right. That's a yellow card offense all day long. Right. Um, you know, Nuhu definitely had control. It was settled, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know if maybe Damas said something or Nuhu said something and, and Damas said something back. Like that's what we don't know. Right. Um, because then Nuhu runs out. With a ball in his left, in his right left, excuse me, in his right hand, takes his left elbow and hits Ronaldo Damas in the back of the head. 
the retaliation is always worse than the first offense, right? That's right. that's like a rule in soccer. That's it's not one of the laws of the game, but that's considered violent conduct, and that's going to get a red card. Right. So obviously, knew who's going to get a red card for that. Ronaldo Damas also gets a red card. It happened off camera. We're not sure why, but I suspect that there were words, and those words were more than unsportsmanlike, and that's probably the reason why. So it was a yellow card, and at the same time certain words that should not have been said either to the referee or to an opponent that, um, that, that caused the red card. All I know is as an older brother, it is always the instigator who gets away with no kind of punishment, right? It's always the younger sibling. So to watch Damis be the instigator and get a red card, even though this is a rare occasion, <laughs> I was okay with it. It was like, this is just, it unfortunately had to be him, but this is due justice. This is bound to happen once in a while. And all of us older siblings should appreciate that the ref did this because yes, we deserve this one once in a while. We deserve this. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so it winds up being 10 V 10 Omaha ties it up in the 75th minute where, um, uh, Ethan Vandercourt Decker, you know, the, the, the guy from, uh, who, who played wow. soccer at, at, uh, in Pennington, New Jersey, just spectacular service from the, a corner kick, uh, you know, just, he was on the right side, um, great jump and, uh, great header by, uh, um, shoot new name for me. Uh, I didn't do the phonetic. Is it? Oh, oh no. Okay. I apologize in advance. That's all I'm going to say here, but is it, uh, is it CRC? No, but uh, okay, we, we will keep it moving. <laughs> <laughs> okay, just help me out, Jason. Come on. Um, so, so anyway, I'm sorry, but it was a, it was a spectacular header. It really was. It was good service and a great finish, and it's uh, it's one one. Um, just a nice redirect on a corner. Uh, but four minutes later, North Texas go ahead uh, where, uh, where 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 Rayo and gets a nice ball from uh, from Alex Bruce. Bruce makes a great run to take uh, to to do this. So. No, no words for my uh, – is that for my pronunciation? I think it's for no words on the whole match in general about what was oh, going on. Oh, got yeah. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> gotcha. No words from Damis. Yeah. Well, so the ref might have just did it based off of the altercation, and he actually didn't say anything to uh, – Interesting. Okay. So <laughs> so thanks for the comments on the live stream, by the way. Um, more detail would be helpful. Uh so anyway, so a nice through ball, uh, you know, for Bruce to run onto. He takes it uh, right down the right center channel. Uh, it's closed down, and then he just cuts it back and squares the ball to Rayo. <laughs> Rayo makes this nice little cut move and just wrong foots two defenders simultaneously. And, I was uh, like, oh, this is North Texas. <laughs> wow, this is North Texas. That's right. <laughs> so, he, yeah, so he wrong footed both uh, um, – both, uh, uh, Anun and Nutson and uh, just takes a right-footed shot right into the the, the 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 left corner of the goal and then you, you know wind up going ahead. Anything okay. on this goal other than North Texas being North Texas? No, because I, I I know you got to go, so we'll, we'll keep it moving right. because I think this last goal is more important. Yeah. So in the 84th minute, uh, the ball the ball gets crossed from the near from near the left corner, and uh, it it's. Uh, the, the ball's headed back into the mixer near the penalty spot, and Contreras tries. Sebastian Contreras tries to trap it with his knee, and it's hard to describe because he's facing kind of away from goal. He takes it on his thigh. I think he he thinks that he's going to turn and volley it with his left foot. I think, I think so too. Yeah, but instead, Ethan Vandercourt Decker is right next to him and alertly just 
taps it with his left foot and it kind of dribbles into the goal. It was kind of, you know, not, uh, it, it was, you know, it w- went right through traffic and, you know, the, uh, the North Texas keeper couldn't, couldn't get it. Um, you know, do, do you think that uh, Vandekor Decker stole the, the goal from Contreras or do you think he had the better opportunity? Yeah. I mean, he scored, so you can't you take the better option, right? It's one of those things to where, if, if it's more guaranteed that way, you got to take it because that's where you got a point. Right. And yeah. I'm sure you're more happy about getting a point than the possibility of scoring a goal that you don't know would go in for sure. And two teams remain undefeated right now. So, and uh, union Omaha is one of them. They have not actually lost the, they've, they've dropped points, but they've never lost the game. And uh, of course, Greenville triumph are at the top. They've only, they've only lost two points the entire season. So very quietly, you know, we, you mentioned it before, before we leave the North Texas Omaha game, uh, Breck Evans had a good, another good game. I mean, he had a, a decent outing. You no, know, neither of the goals I think were his fault. Um, you know, the first one maybe could have jumped a little bit uh, earlier and maybe he would have had a chance. Um, but, uh, but other than that, I mean, he had eight clearances, five interceptions, you know, solid game for, uh, for Breck. And shout out to N4. Uh, I think he was a big sub, came in, changes energy, bicycling kick from anywhere on the field. We love it. Um, oh, yeah. We, we, that, should, that should be a meme, by the way. So he, he does a bicycle kick from his own D as a defensive clearance. Yeah, why not? Um, that, was, that was great. Why not? But uh, this was also, you know, like I, I actually think that for, uh, for Omaha, it's a – they're going to – they're without Nuhu now, right, obviously. But – they uh the formation was a little different and i think obviously tired legs they were trying to rest people um so for them to have you know rested people still get the the win for boys to not have really played he came in very late uh i don't think don or for um um uh n4 to come in 20 minutes to go hossworth to come in late uh, i think omaha's doing a good job right now of of rotating you know playing the games to getting a point right and and doing what they need to do to walk out of there with points it's not necessarily like a hey we're gonna go for the win and if we don't get it it's fine we're going for it they're playing in a strategic thing to being like oh it's one one right now let's let's go ahead and make these subs let's keep this in i rather us get the point stay in contention for the whole year right hover around that second third fourth place and then at the end of the year when teams are tired out, you've got rested legs, then yeah, go all out. And by that time, your chemistry's better. I, I see what they're doing over there. I see yeah. Omaha. So, so Jason, I only have uh, seven or eight minutes here. So why yes. don't we just very quickly, um, you know, I put out on Twitter uh, the uh, points per goal standings, which are, are a little bit different than the overall standings. Uh, you can take a look at those. But basically, you know, unsurprisingly, the Triumph, the Kickers, Union Omaha, Forward Madison, and FC Tucson, and uh, Fort Lauderdale. So you have six teams. Those six teams realistically have a shot at, at making second place. So, um, uh, you, you know, Triumph. I mean, quite frankly, you know, even if they don't go undefeated, the the chances I think of them not being in the top two are pretty there's low. The, there's the lose. I mean, we've yeah, been yeah, that was yeah. our it was our preseason prediction, and it's looking like it's it's yeah. come true. And the kickers in Omaha are right on top of each other yeah. at the moment, yeah, so that that could be a really yeah. Yep. But, the, you know, don't count out. You know, you mentioned Fort Lauderdale might make it. They're not that far behind either. So, actually, they get two wins in a row. And if there's a, if the teams above them get draws or losses, um, Fort Lauderdale will be right in the thick of it as well. Yeah. If, if As long – they better pray they keep Sosa for the whole year. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so you've already – and you've already hit the panic button on North Texas, so we don't have to talk yep. about them now. I'm, I'm officially panicked. And it's they're talented enough to where they can go on a run. I don't know whether or not – I think it's, it's a little bit too late. late. 
because I, I don't see those top two teams folding, especially Greenville. So yeah, um, you know maybe if they won won out the rest of the season, maybe. But yeah, yeah, it's gonna. I mean, maybe they can come in second with a few draws in there. Uh, so Jason, your list: the most impactful player for the first. Is it actually quarter of the season? I think we're all like a third of the way through yeah. the season. Right? Uh, we, I mean, some teams have played seven games. Some of them we play like five. So right. it, it yeah. depends. Right. But uh, so anyway, yeah. So, so yeah, I go for it. Through, so I want to run through and I just want a yes or no from you. Right. So we're going to make this as quick as possible. Okay. okay. Greenville, Alex Morrell. Oh. There's, I could say Alex Morrell, Aaron Walker. I'm fine. Yeah. I, I, so I was actually going to say Dallas J. Wow. Okay. Just, just because, yeah. I mean, if it's not for him, they have a lot more draws than they have than they than yes. they do right now. But my thing too is, if it's not for Morrell, they have a lot more draws because they're not scoring. Okay. <laughs> so that's same, fine. Same thing. Yeah. We're gonna come back to Richmond, Omaha, Vanacore, Decker. Yeah, I agree. Ford, Madison, Vang. I think now, yeah. Yep. I mean, I mean, he's been on impact- the field, they've been better. Yeah. yeah, I mean, since he's been on playing, I think he's impacted three fourths of their goals, right? Like, yeah, he's, at least. <laughs> he, we, I, I said that they needed a new Josie L. He's not the same player as Josie L, but he's someone that comes in, takes the free kicks. He's dangerous on those. He's someone that holds the ball well, doesn't get dispossessed, and he allows for JC Banks and these other players to roam. Giro and Pato don't feel like they have to do too much like they were doing in the beginning of the season because they were trying to produce some kind of offense. I think right. he's been spectacular. Yep. Um, I agree. FC Tucson, Shaq Adams. Yeah, it got to be, right? Yeah. Uh, no, Myers, Charlie, by the way, if you're listening. Yeah, love you, Charlie, but, I mean, you're, you, we know you're the one sending them up. So if, if, you know, Shaq gets a little bit of a war, he, he can buy you dinner on the side for it. Uh, Fort Lauderdale, Sosa, I don't oh, even need to ask yeah. you about that. No. Tormenta, Marco Micheletto. Yeah, yeah, I think so far, you know, I, I don't think you can say for Tormenta that, you know, they have the absolutely um, that you can almost you can almost say no one right yeah. for Tormenta yeah, right now. Um, but yeah, I, I think Marco Micheletto. I mean, he, look, he scored a great PK when he's on the field. He's dangerous and and he's a lot of their offense. So I think and he is involved. And I'll have to go look at this at the data and I'll tweet it from the account. He might be more involved in more duels than anybody in the league. It's absolutely wild the way he's all around the field. Is he winning all of them? Absolutely not. But the fact that he is there winning some of those and some of those turn into goals, you know, I think he's been consistently at least the most energetic in all around consistent player for Tormenta. Fair enough. Chattanooga, Greg Hurst. Yeah, that's not OCB to Blonte. Gotta be. New England to Verfurth. Ooh. So I um, think he's quietly having a real like the fact that we don't say his name as a center back is a very good sign that he is having a quiet, really good season. Yeah, I mean, you know, I guess the question is, you know, he hasn't made any glaring errors that you can say like this goal was his fault, right? Like he made an error. Right. Um, I just don't know if I can give it to anyone on the back, but they're another team. I mean, just you know, think about where they are in the standings and stuff. It's hard to give. I think it's hard to give anyone, you know, they're, for me, they're kind of like Tormenta. I don't know if I can give anyone a. All I know, 22 clearances, two blocks, eight interceptions, 80% tackle rate. Yeah. When you've got so, a brand new team. Yeah. I, I guess, I, I guess the thing is, I guess, you know, he, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say no to him primarily because the fact is, is that with those kind of numbers, like they could be, have be losing by a lot more. Right. Okay. So, <laughs> I mean, true. Right. All right. Uh, so so North Texas and Richmond, you didn't, 
You yes. didn't do both of those on purpose. So. Yes, I did. Uh, because, uh, so for, for North Texas, I think it's just tough for me right now because they're all over the place. Uh, if Redzik continued to play consistently, it would have been him, but because of injuries and because of them subbing him off, he hasn't. And so it's tough for me. I do really like, and it's not someone who shows up on the sheet, but Oscar Romero, I think does bring that kind of experience and is able to kind of get them together when things are getting a little out of hand and slow the game down for them. So he's maybe someone I would throw on there. Yeah. I mean, it's again, they're another team that it's hard because they, they haven't been particularly consistent and right. you, you know, it, you can't say who's their difference maker, right? Right. Um, exactly. Okay. And then Richmond, I'm not even going to try because I don't think there is. <laughs> there's no way, right? You can point to five different players and say it's them. So I'm here's what I'm going to say. I'm going to say Darren Swatsky. Hey, I'm going to say. At you. Look at you. <laughs> yeah. Coming through. I mean, it, you know, basically, I mean, this the the squad has you know just two or three different pieces right now, right? It's not that much different than last year. But think about how well they're playing compared to last year, right? Yeah. So I think he's gotten them to gel and and to play in a style that suits the players that he has on the roster. So yeah. I think I think you got to give it to the coach in that situation. Yeah, I agree. All right. Um, very quick match previews. Um, just checking the time here. Um, Friday, um, 7 p.m. OCB South Georgia Tormenta. Um, Chance for Tormenta game more confidence. Keep it yeah. keep it going. Keep it simple. Uh, Saturday, one. This is another great weekend. It's going to be easy to watch matches. Saturday, <laughs> 1 p.m. Chattanooga Red Wolves versus New England Revolution Two. Uh, Chattanooga has to win this game. Must I think win. must win. Yeah, I mean, I mean, at this point, it's almost every game is must win for every team, right? But uh, nah. maybe Greenville. Yeah. Um, 6.30, this is the game of the week. I mean, this is if, – if you have to pick one match, you must watch this match. It is 6.30 p.m., ESPN Plus, CBS 6 if you live in the Richmond, Virginia area. Um, Richmond, the Kickers, <laughs> Richmond Kickers hosting the Greenville Triumph. Um, I don't know if it will be on in Greenville. I think it might be actually too on their um, local uh, broadcast can, affiliate can, as well. Can I just shout out real quick? Greenville's game on local TV reached 20,000 households. That is yeah. wild. That so, is absolutely insane. So I talked to Doug Irwin today who's uh, who, who's the, the – I don't think he's the president or general manager. I think he's one of the co-owners with his with his father. But um, but yeah, Doug was saying like that was huge to have to have a broadcast deal. I mean that's fantastic and, and you know really good to – have um he, he also gave us some insight and if uh, you know we could talk about this another time but he gave some really interesting insight about the return to play and and uh everything going on in the stadium too so i think something to um bring him on talk about yeah yeah we could should absolutely have him on the show 8 p.m on saturday night uh eastern time union omaha is hosting um who's fct probably, you probably right, met fc uh, tucson FC Tucson's going up to Omaha. I know it was FCT. Um, FC Tucson's going up there. So Charlie Dennis will be making the trip. Um, and uh, I don't know, like like Tucson, you know, this one could be a draw for me. Like yeah, it's completely possible because Tucson, yeah, Tucson's starting to look better. And then finally Sunday, uh, 5 p.m., Forward Madison hosting North Texas uh, for the last game of the week. Um, you know, must win for Forward Madison if they're going to stay up there. Astico. And great. All right, Jason, um, we're right at time here. So where can people connect with you? I'm Sweet Soccer. And I can be found at Ira Jersey. And you can connect with the show at League One Fun. That's League, the number one fun. 
Thanks for listening. Please rate and review us wherever you get your podcast. And thanks to our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, the official scarf supplier for USL, MLS, and U.S. soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com, including all of the scarves that are behind me right now if you're watching on the live stream. And also Icarus FC for all of your custom kit needs for youth, adult, or club teams. Go to IcarusFC.com. Jason, until next week, hashtag support local soccer. You're getting pretty good at this. You should really think about a uh, TV career or something. <laughs>